Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and I trust you're enjoying the 50 most relevant for 2023. It's where we have a fantasy footy conversation about who I think are the most relevant players to look at for your 2023 Supercoach Dream Team and AFL Fantasy season. Joining me on this episode, as he has right throughout the preseason, you'll hear him plenty more during the season proper. Mini Monk, it's good to see you, my friend, talking today about Tim English. Yeah, it's an interesting one to talk about. And we're getting right to the pointy end. We're talking about, you know, the most expensive Ruckman across the formats. It's a very interesting conversation to be had around Tim English. There certainly is. There has been lots of chatter and assumptions about him. Some of them very, very valid. Others, we might be able to find some little conversation pieces and some nuggets of gold to work our way through. He's right in the prime of his career now, now 25 years of age, Western Bulldog Ruck, and some nice scores to go along it too. A 138 against the Sydney Swans last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team is actually his career high score in that format as well. So congratulations, Tim, on delivering that for us last year. While a 160 against the Eagles in Supercoach was his top score in that format for that season however it is nowhere near his career heights he's a part of the 200 club in Supercoach. back in 2020 you went a 204 against the bombers he'll set you back at a price point of 924,100 in dream team and 901,000 in fantasy that's due to his average of a 101.8 in fantasy and dream team and an average of 105.5 in Supercoach means he's just a touch over five hundred and eighty thousand dollars and Mini Monk, there's a few guys that in that opening five to six rounds of the year of 2022, if you were on them, you really were. And from the start, you really were setting yourself up well for success. The Will Brodies, James Sicilies, George Hewitts, and probably the, the least celebrated of all of those was Tim English because he flew out of the gates for us from a fantasy perspective and really did set up a lot of people's seasons over those first five weeks. Yeah, he flew out of the gates. And the other thing was he came in at such a value point compared to the set and forget. A lot of people were going gone and Grundy and outlaying a lot of cash to get two players who clearly didn't perform at their price point. And you got Tim English at a cheap price with DPP. So it not only allowed you to get good scores, but allowed you to play around with... You know, I'm going to say it, Braden Proust, get him onto the field <laughs> yeah, during those early rounds as well. And those first five weeks, he didn't drop, drop below 100 in AFL Fantasy. And he only dropped below 100 twice in Supercoach, but the lowest was a 96. And so you, you're getting a player that was, you know, he was a top two Ruckman during those first five rounds as well. Yeah. And then he, he gets injured. Yeah. And then he gets injured. But the thing is, with his injury, it doesn't happen in a game where he loses a bad, drops a bad score for you, Training. gets injured, gets announced by the club, and you have the option to be able to move out of him pretty quickly. And he's already made you, you know, 530-odd points and a couple of hundred K in cash. So you're just, you're just laughing if you started him last year. He was a really, really great start for those who got onto him. And those who didn't get onto him were quite often looking at the teams that had him in those first few rounds and being like, how can I get onto him? How do I move you know, one of my Ruckman into Tim English or how do I move it forward into him? And it was really tricky. So it, it kind of ended up working out well for those who started them and those who didn't. 
Those who started yeah. him got a really good bump in scoring and cash, and those who didn't didn't get burnt because he missed a big chunk in the middle of the year. It was a very sliding doors moment that while a lot of people at that time of the year were playing around with, oh, how do I get Braden Priest into my side and on the ground? He's the ruck that's generating cash. You had the Max Scorn and Brody Grundy dilemmas of who am I going to trade? And then Grundy goes and gets himself injured Darcy Cameron while not in the first five weeks was about to pop along for us so all these things are happening while the Tim English owners are smiling all the way we talked about that first five weeks he averaged 111 in AFL fantasy and dream team with scores between 101 and 138 while in supercoach he went in those first five games a 121 nothing under 96, as Mini Monks alluded to, and then scoring ceiling right up to 152 in those five weeks. If we look at the season proper and in overall, a 101.8 average consisted of 10 tons in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, five over 110, and two really nice scores over 130. Alongside that, he had a handful of scores between 95 and 99, and just two matches dropping under the 80 banner. Ended up by average as the number two ranked ruck, only behind Max Gorn, who we've talked about during this year's 50 Most Relevant, who's had some significant changes to him and what's in that side. Let's look at his super coach year. Uh, from the 17 games he played, or from the 15 games, sorry, he played seven tons, five over 120. They are this, 122, 123, 138, 152, and a 160. Three additional scores, 90 plus. Just the two under 80, and by average sat behind just Gorn and Wits with a 105.5. Um, I think there's a couple of things I'd love to get your take here, Mini Monk, because there's this conversation throughout the preseason that set and forget is dead and by that statement that the sentiment they really mean is we can't start both Grundy and Gorn because for so long they've been that so can you do set and forget this year I think you can but that's the sentiment people I think are saying underneath it without saying it but there's probably three maybe four Ruckman that have been talked about a lot across the formats Tim English is one Rowan Marshall, another who we included in the 50 most relevant. Darcy Cameron also in the 50 most relevant. And a and a slow-moving ship towards Scott Lysette, probably over the past month, where people are like, oh, maybe that's a viable play too. But with every single one of those rut combinations, it's been, who are you pairing English with? So my question to you is, is English the lay-down Mazaire R1 and build your ruck division around? Or are there other narratives and avenues that mean English is more of an upgrade, not just a mandatory starter? At the end of the 2022 season, a lot of people looked at English's season and thought, wow, he had a great run of scores. He was, for stretches, the number one ruckman in the game. And he's going to be coming in at a discounted price for next year. How do you not pick him coming into 2023? And as more information has come to light through the preseason, you know, with the roles that different players have, such as with Marshall being more assured of having the number one rock role, with Lysette maybe having a bit more rock share associated with him, you, you start to kind of look for holes where you can with players that you're outlaying such a huge amount of cash for. Like you're paying over 900000 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team for him. You're paying pretty absorbent amount in Supercoach as well. Yeah. So you need him to be a season keeper. But then you have to look at what's his run to start the season. And he, he doesn't have an easy run. 
I mean, you're looking at him facing uh, Melbourne in round one, where he has to go up against Gorn and Grundy combined, which is, Yikes. you know, he's going to be the first Rockman that has to deal with that outside of a preseason game. It's it's going to be a big learning curve for us as fantasy coaches to see that. But then he has to back it up against Rowan Marshall, who's, oh, you know, goodness. a very good Rockman in his own right. Then he has to go in against Oscar McInerney against Brisbane. I mean, very restrictive rock. Very yeah. restrictive rock. Very restrictive rock. And he gets a little bit easier for the next two. He comes against Richmond. So Nankurva, Soldo, depending sure. on how they That's structure true. that up. Lysad against Port Adelaide. But then he's got to come against Darcy and Jackson in round oh my six. Goodness. I mean, you're getting about four of the hardest rock matchups <laughs> that you can get in the first six weeks. And you're outlaying a huge amount of cash to pick him as an R1. But not only that, you need him to be a premium option that you can captain or vice captain in those early rounds because you're so short on options to start the year. So the question is, is there enough captaincy and vice captaincy risk associated with him to start the year that you don't want to start him? Or do you think he's going to be that clear number one? And so you say he might pop some bad scores to start the year. He might pop a couple in the 80s and a couple in the 90s, but I'm just going to hold him for the year anyways. And therefore I want to start him. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic because if you start to look at his start to the year mm. and what he actually did throughout the entirety of 2022, you start to think, well, maybe he isn't the surefire pick. Maybe it's not English and another Ruckman. It's Marshall and another Ruckman or yeah. Darcy Cameron and another Ruckman, or you start to go to two value options. I think the longer the preseason has gone on, the more it has been, oh, maybe we need to tinker with our Ruckman a little bit more. Maybe we need to find what the other options are and open up cash for the other lines where we actually do have some options that we're very comfortable starting, comfortable captaining in those early rounds as well. So he's a very tricky player to get a complete gauge on coming into the preseason games, which now are only a couple of weeks away. It was, as we said, English and who? And now I think people are, are rightfully, as they should with every player in their team, looking at every nuance and reason. Why is this person here? What is my expected outcome? What is there another avenue to get to the pathway I'm desiring to? If you don't know the why behind every player selected in your team and you don't understand the narrative, you can't explain the narrative and you're not confident in the narrative, then you need to honestly clear your team and start again. I'll tell you to do that in a couple of weeks' time. Don't worry about that. But I, I think... The question around English, and you brought up a brilliant, brilliant point around the fixture, is really these couple of questions is, which of the splits do you believe is the true narrative around Tim English? Is it that first handful of weeks that we saw? Is it the middle patch of the year? Uh, there's this thought that Stefan Martin and Jordan Sweet killed him and the ruck sharing, and we'll talk about Lob in a second. But in reality, Sweet meant nothing to him. It was one game with Stefan Martin, that's it. So there was a bunch of games in the back half. How much of that is coming off injuries, concussions, flu-like issues? It, what's the reason? So I think that's the thing is, which of the splits of English do you believe to be true? The second is then, are there a clear and supreme ruck duo this year? The reason set and forget across formats up until probably last year was such a compelling narrative to start with is because Grundy and Gorn were that much better with a gap between three, four, five ranked average Ruckman. And then the next question beyond that is, if there is a clear two, is English one of them? And if there isn't a clear two, can you invest 
the level of cash you are for only a five, eight, and dare I even say it, only a 10 points per game jump, considering you can always reinvest that cash on top of someone else. I think that most people perceive Marshall and English to be the top two Ruckman coming into 2023. And there's some narratives around other players. I think in Supercoach, it's probably a bit closer with the likes of maybe Darcy, maybe Wirtz, maybe Grundy. And I think Supercoach is a little bit of a different beast when you're talking about English compared to AFL Fantasy and Real Dream Team. But what do you realistically see them scoring and averaging through the 2023 season? You've really got to ask yourself that. If you think that they can both go at 110 for an entire season, then you really do want to lock that away because it's very hard to see any other Ruckman going over 95, let alone 90. But if you think that their their scoring average is going to be at that 100 marker, then you've really got to look at the other options and think, do I need to buy myself some time to figure out, you know, are they actually the top two Ruckman for 2023? Mm. Or can I get English at a cheaper price after those first six weeks and look at the other options? Because if it's only 10 points per game, it's very reasonable to start another Ruckman who won't come down in cash, but might maintain in cash or increase in their price. And that's why a lot of people have started to look at, as you say, Scott Lysett, because he's the type of Ruckman that does come in discounted. Whereas English, Mm. yeah, okay, he's had a a few injury games. He had to do a bit of a ruck share with um, Jordan Sweet and a little bit with uh, Stefan Martin, but it didn't really affect his scoring that much. His poor games, yes, they did occur in when he had to share the ruck a little bit, but he also had some poor games where he wasn't sharing the ruck, where Correct. he just didn't have a great game. And yeah, that that that's not discount associated with injury. That's just inbuilt scoring average. Yeah. So you've, you've got to be really careful with the narratives that you're building for these players because, yeah, okay, he had an injured 2022 where he missed a lot of games. Sure. But he didn't have games where he dropped a three or a four-point game because he got injured five minutes into the game. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, it's not a Christian Salem where it's, oh, that explains it. It's not a concussion game where in-game, like a Tom Stewart who we talked about just the other day, oh, that's why. Uh, let's talk about that ruck share. Lobs come in. He's been targeted from Fremantle for one specific specific purpose, to play the relief ruck role to Tim English. We, we don't hear any doubt from Minnie Monk or I. He is the lead ruckman in this team. Lobb is the supporting cast. And with Eugle Hagen and Norton, that key position line, is set. Stefan Martin is retired. Jordan Sweet is nothing more now than an insurance policy. They can't even fit Josh Bruce into that forward line now. So so we can safely go any of the one shared game that was volatile because of Stefan. Great. That's not the concern. You can take that off the plate. You mentioned that injury history. um, And it's been increasing over time. There's one season where he played every game and that was the COVID bubble season of 17 games. Um, and it was just, he finds, I like to contrast him to a Lockie Whitfield where somehow just finds a way of missing games and nothing ever seems related. Does that hamstring at training on his way back from that gets a flu or COVID or whatever you'd like to refer to it as now and misses some time and then has a delayed concussion Uh, So plays out a game because past the concussion test has a delayed symptoms as a result, has to miss two games. And Mini Monk, it's not just two or three games or two or three things this year. This injury narrative, unfortunately, has been hanging around for quite a little while. 
Yeah, I think Lockie Whitfield is a great comparison because it's just the most weird ones that come up. Like you say, when you get sick after you've had a hamstring injury, that's just a bit unfortunate. But totally. the fact that it happens, you know, year on year and it's happened three out of the last four years has you concerned, especially when it comes to something like a soft tissue injury, because those are the ones that recur quite often. A concussion, that can happen to any player. Getting sick, totally. that can happen to any player. But a soft tissue, it's it starts to be a bit of a different beast. So do you think he can play for the entire season? I mean, he's shown that he can play it through an entire season, but there is always that risk associated with him. And I don't see that being talked about with him too much because a lot of people just think you just tuck him away, set him as the R1, just leave him there for the year. But it's a little bit of a flag. It's a little bit of concern. Yeah, the optimist just sees that as, oh, that's a bit of bad luck here, here. And yeah, the pessimist yeah. is kind of going... How do you keep finding a way to get to get yourself hurt? We yeah. often talk about here at the coaches panel with these guys that have a history of getting themselves injured. Start them if if otherwise you could be trading into that injury and spending multiple trades to get the upgrade and then the trade out. And so, if injury history is a genuine red flag for you around English, it's a start or fade for the year because what you do not want to do is go. Oh, I knew he was flying, trade into him and get injured. I knew he was going to get injured. So if injury is the reason you're avoiding or thinking about avoiding, it's a start or a fade. And to fade on a guy that could be the number one ruck this year is quite a hesitancy moment for me, for someone to go, yeah, Ooh, you're th- you think the injury is that real? You're going to fade on potentially a number one ruck? Ooh, which is again where it comes back to the, he should, if he's not in the number one or two rucks, he should be darn close. If the injury concern is there enough, he's there. That first five weeks, oh, he was as good as anyone in the game and created separation. Oh, there's no ruck sharing role concerns like there are about some of my other bigger end premium rucks. Um, even if he gets injured, I can trade to the guy I want. Even with that big, challenging early fixture run, I think he's got elite enough fitness and endurance to work his way around the ground, maybe even drift behind the ball and start picking up some intercepts. And and so we start to find ourselves in this place where if you're ruling yourself out of English this year as a starter or an upgrade, I I think you're in trouble. I I think if if you're going injuries, if you're going, I don't want any part of English, I I think you could be asking for a, a poor ranking season. But to say he has to be started and he's the non-negotiable and the Marshall Lysette, the Cameron, the whoever, is the variable change. What you're hearing from both Minnie Monk and I is it might not be as English or bust at Awa. I think the other thing that you've you've missed is that a lot of the rock options that we have and a lot of the rock options that we consider have injury history. Yeah, You only have to look back to last year to see how many different Ruckman missed during portions of the season. Grundy, Gorn, Marshall, Darcy, all of them missed significant chunks of the year through injury. So English is not alone in that fact. No. So I I don't think, I think it's one of the weirder lines because Ruckman tend to get injured a little bit more just because of the way they have to play the game. And so, yeah, I think he's a player that you can still trade into even with injury concerns, but there is obviously that flag there. And so it's something to be, you know, mindful of when you're considering him as a starting option or as a trade-in option. And yeah. as you said, um, with, with uh, oh gosh, the, the Ruckman that came in, not the Ruckman, the forward who came in for the dogs, Rory Lobb's come in and he's going to be chopping yeah. out 
up yeah. forward. But that's yeah. the thing. He's going to be chopping up up forward. He's not going to be going into the CBAs and taking 30, 40% of CBAs. Oh, gosh, from Tim no. Bush. That's not going to happen. He's going to be parked in the forward 50 for the dogs. And anytime the ball kind of goes down that way, he's going to be the one that goes up for the ruck contest. It's similar to how, I guess, Geelong played with Tom Hawkins going up. Tom yeah. Hawkins plays good the comparison. relief ruck role there. But that's also good for English because it means that he gets parked behind the ball. And one of his best assets is his marking. That's true. He's a really good mark. He's a really good kick. They actually, when the dogs chip it around or across that half back flank, he gets involved. Yeah. He gets into the chip chip and gets gets the marks there and plays it down the line. So I think that that's a good thing for him. And and yeah, it alleviates a lot of the concerns that people had about him having to share ruck with Stefan Martin or Jordan Sweet. And I think that that has, you know, a lot of mental effects. It makes people feel cozier and happier, but I don't think it has a huge impact on his scoring. It might be maybe one or two points in his average, but it's very hard to yeah. quantify. You might have heard some negativity coming from myself for many months throughout this episode, and that's certainly not what we're doing. Rather, it's been a one-train narrative around Tim English all preseason, which is you must, you must, you must. He's the number one, he's the number one. And all we're trying to do in this episode, as we do always with the coaches panel, is to provide context, to give you all the information you need to then make a decision. Will Tim English be in the top two rucks this year, I think most of the community will say, yeah, he probably is. So the question is not then, well, I've got to start him. It's a, can you start him? Absolutely. Can you choose to upgrade him and hope you can target it right? Definitely. But remember, there's probably only one or two upgrades you can do at that early portion of the season. And so is Tim English, if you're going to not have him, is he going to be the priority? Will other things jump up around that round five, six, seven marker that mean that you can't make that trade into him after the back of that challenging run that Minnie Monk has alluded to? These are the unknowns of fantasy football and what makes the game really so much fun to play and frustrating to play all at the same time is because the unknown can be kind, and it can also be very, very cruel. Let's talk about where he goes on draft day, Mini Monk. I'm I'm pretty confident he's the first ruck off the board across the formats. But gee whiz, where people go for a ruckman this year is really interesting. I think most want to snag a a top-end forward in the first round or two. Doherty is in that mix as well. But English, where do you forecast he will go? And then the backup question is, if that's the case, would you yourself be happy to draft him in that range? I agree with you that he's probably the first Ruckman taken off the board. I think there's some people that could make an argument that Marshall might be better than him, but a lot of people are going to go and resort to the known rather than the unknown. And where he gets taken is a fascinating question because I just have this feeling that someone's going to reach for him and someone's probably going to take him in the first round. And if he goes in the first round, I probably won't be taking him because I would feel a lot more comfortable taking him as a a mid to late second rounder as a Ruckman because then you can pair him with someone who's a genuine captaincy option. You know that they're going to be, you know, 110 plus or they're at the top of the line, as in the forward or Doherty. Whereas with English, I, I don't know 
where he's going to end up. And that scares me on a draft day. You'd rather have a little bit of safety in those first few rounds rather than that uncertainty. So yeah, first rounder, probably someone reaches, maybe early second, but I would feel much more comfortable as a late second rounder. Yeah, I'm 100% with you that where he will go as his ADP, it will mean in drafts, I'm just not prepared to yeah. leap at him. Uh, the key is always to look in draftings. The best two bits of advice I could give you is uh, protect each pick with the next pick. And then the second would be, it's all about the combinations. So if you're locking in a Ruckman, either in that middle portion of the first round, which Mini Monk said people could leap into or the back of the second or early of the third, um, you're then pairing that player with where others are likely punting Rucks as their final two or three picks on field in the draft. So it's now English versus Dacos of the Josh variety, as opposed to Josh Kelly and a Braden Pruce. Yes, I've been able to get Pruce in four times this podcast. I'm very proud of us, Brendan. And it's absolutely brilliant from us. So um, that's how the combinations for me, I would like to look at it, which means I, I will miss most of the good rucks at that point in time, unless they fall to a space I'm I'm really, really happy with. Um, mate, you've been an absolute superstar on this episode, as well as a bunch of other ones throughout the preseason. Thank you for your good work, man. No, no, thanks for having me. It's been a good, good chat today. If you want to go and check out the article, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. As long as uh, you're listening to this podcast, you can also go back and jump to the other ones. Wherever you're streaming this, you can go and check those podcasts out as well. We're getting real close to the last handful of players revealed in my 50 most relevant. If you want to get some early access to these podcasts, as well as a bunch of other content, you can go and check it out by joining our Patreon supporter group. You can find them and the links for it at coachespanel.tv. So tomorrow we hit to the number seven in my 50 most relevant. And I'll say this, I can guarantee you this player's in your team. I can guarantee he was probably one of the first players you picked. And I can guarantee, unless he gets injured in the preseason, you're going to start him in round one. It sounds like a guy that should be the number one, right? Well, we are getting to the point where it's really close to the top of my 50 most relevant. So who's this guy that you've guarantee you've picked that I guarantee will injury will be the only reason you don't start him, but I still don't think he's the most relevant player this year. Who am I talking about? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 most relevant. Give it a roll, now give it-